Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Heil, the Director of Communications and Public Policy here at the Greater Philadelphia Chapter. This is 2017 and it is our 40th anniversary as a chapter. In 1977, we began the, a mission to support families with ALS in the region and ever since then, we've been expanding to cover more families, to cover more programs, and to fund more research. And we're doing that because of supporters like you who are listening to this podcast today. Uh, to learn more about our anniversary, to learn more about our work with the Philadelphia Phillies, because we're who we've been working with for 35, 36 years, since 1984, um, you can go to our website at www.alsphiladelphia.org. I just realized I said 35 years, but it's really... <laughs> 33 years, but it's a long time we've been with them. And so you can go to ALSPhiladelphia.org. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and Snapchat, and I think some others, all at ALS Philadelphia, making it easy. So today, we have, we're have we starting a little series with uh, my friend Mike Dealey. He's my new friend, uh, because we only met a little bit ago, and Mike is more recently diagnosed with ALS, and he's taken part in many activities, including advocacy, events, many events, actually. Um, he's doing everything he can to fight this disease, not just for himself, but for others. Uh, he's also a veteran, and we're going to get into his biography today. And then you'll look for part two in a little bit uh, with Mike as we talk about his what he's planning to do to help others and to raise more money for the cause. So, Mike, welcome to the Chapter Podcast. Good morning, and uh, thanks for having me this morning. Thank, well, thank you for coming out here. You live in Lancaster, right? Yeah, just outside of Lancaster. It's uh, actually Columbia. Uh, well, it's still right in Lancaster. Yeah. I like Lancaster. I like Columbia. It's a good area. Yeah. And you've been there for your whole life, or have you moved around? Yeah, I'm originally from Lidditz, and when I was in the Navy, I served out in the West Coast and came right back to the area. So um, we talked about this in many podcasts. Um, military veterans twice as likely to be diagnosed with ALS. Yep. My um, grandfather was a veteran who was a Navy veteran, too. Okay. So Navy's my favorite just because of that. Yep, yep absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I've heard anywhere between, like, 52 and 60%, but, you know, when it gets down to it, it's an alarmingly large amount of people, a uh, large number percentage-wise of people that are diagnosed that have prior military service. Um, the... The demographics of it, too, it's really not people that served in any particular theater or did any particular jobs. It's just, in general, people that served in the military. Yeah, I know. And we have people who served in the Gulf War. We have people who served in uh, world in Vietnam. We have people who served locally or in different parts of the country. So, Yeah, yeah myself, um, I was in during the first Gulf War, but I was stateside. Um, so, you know, I was not in any of the questionable theaters of operation where there could or could not have been certain things going on. So that's not uncommon that it's just somebody who was doing a normal job as a normal guy or girl and, uh, serving their country in some, you know, seemingly, uh, non-damaging part of the world. Well, either way, we appreciate what you're doing because no matter where you're serving, especially when there's conflict going on, you're helping the whole mission. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it was, uh, as I could say, is that uh, I was at a uh, weapons evaluation facility, so our days and nights got very busy. Yeah. Well, and you're, now you're serving a new mission, uh, fighting ALS, and you were diagnosed just a f- less than a year ago or yeah. not that long ago? Um, my official diagnosis was December 15th of uh, this last year, 2016. Um, they, they placed a date in the spring, mm-hmm. you know, of, of when we really look back on uh when were the prominent issues happening? 
you know, and starting to happen. And, and like a lot of people, I just, um, you know, thought I had, uh, you know, a pinched nerve. Um, I've been involved in sports for a number of years and was the whole time up until I was diagnosed and could no longer uh, really run well. And I, I just walked around assuming I pinched a nerve in my back. That's, that's a, a pretty common experience where people, like, had, like, a stumble or a weakness. And why would you, why would you ever think? Because you didn't have any ALS in your family, right? No, no. And it's, uh, you're right, it's very common. I, I still, to this day, uh, I'm 47, and, uh, like I said, I played a lot of sports, so I, I struggle with the doctor. He says, you know, what are you having trouble with? And I say, I, I, I don't know if it's ALS or an old athlete. Right. Having the issues, you know, uh, reaching my feet. Yeah. And book, so you're active in a lot of things, and that's part of the reason we've been talking a lot, because you're more active than me. I feel lazy yeah. listening to you. It's not just now, but just, like, all the things you do. And I'm, uh, So you are – what kind of things have you been active in? Because you're wearing your Scrum for Six jersey right now, which people can't see because it's a podcast. Yep. Um, well, I, I, I try and 50-50 my day. Um you know, this kind of breaks into some of the story with being a veteran and some of the opportunities that I have that other people don't. But in a nutshell, um, I've had the opportunity to retire uh-huh. and go ahead and enjoy as much life as I can, uh, why I can with everything that I have. So I spend about 50% of my day um, fishing, watering the garden, doing yard work, and I try and devote a good amount of time to other advocacy uh, efforts for the ALS um, including the advocacy days we just had in Washington, um, up in Harrisburg, and we do have some things that we'll talk about later with that I'm working on in the rugby community uh, to go ahead and you know further the support and uh, get the community together throughout the nation in a fight against ALS. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's a 50-50 split of taking it easy and uh, doing some personal things that are just fun and then trying to make some good positive use of my time. And it sounds like that's kind of your approach to life, right? That, that's my understanding from talking to you the last few months. You like to be active. It's not like you just decided, well, I have ALS, I'm going to be more active. I mean, you you, you yeah. like to get things done and have a vision for, you don't want to be small. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I've taken those uh, personality tests, um, you know, at work and everything mm-hmm. like that, and I'm definitely the type A personality. Um, actually, I was classified as a very, very high type A and a very, very high type D which is a direct conflict because one's type A personality wants it done and type D wants it done absolutely positively correct. So it's kind of a battle. Usually it's get it done quick, but I, I, I actually want it done quickly and correct. Well, that's good to me. That's what we want. <laughs> um, we want to cure for ALS and we want it done quickly and we want it to be actually correct, like the right treatment too. Yeah, but I mean it, it's, you know, even at home, what I'm doing, the things at home is, uh, you know, I'm not the type to sit. And, uh, you know, I wake up in the morning, I go for a walk, I do my exercises, and then I proceed. It's just work comes up and things do, you know, they just come up around the house to go ahead and get done or do something. So um, I'm not really the type, even though I'm technically retired, to really retire. Uh, so, you know, taking it from just personally and keeping myself active around the house to doing something meaningful, um, you know, to uh, work towards something better with this cause or, you know, to leverage my experience or my time to go ahead and help some other people and help us with some of the legislation or uh, funding that we need. And, you know, we, we, you're talking about advocacy, so one of the, that's one of the first things you did. 
Yeah, yeah. You can, you joined us. We just did ALS Advocacy in Washington, D.C., and then in Harrisburg. There's still time, if you're listening to this, to join Mike. There's always time to be an ALS advocate. You can email me, Tony, T-O-N-Y, at ALSPhiladelphia.org. Uh, you can go to our website, or you can go to the national website, ALSA.org, to find out the advocacy priorities. Um, but you seem to just be a natural at it, at going to these meetings. Have you done anything like that before? Um, you know, I, I've done public-type speaking before, and I don't have a problem with that. But I, I think it's 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 more of a passion where it hits you. Um, you know, this gets into the, in the military. Uh, one of the things is, is that I really am uh, what I would consider a lucky ALS patient with having the military support. Um, as a veteran... And being that veterans are such a high likelihood, several years ago it was classified as a service-related disability. So what that means is that I was put on an expedited path to be listed as 100% um, service-related disabled. And all my health care um, and, and uh, needs like that, along with a substa- you know, pretty substantial monthly stipend, um, were uh, put on the fast track. So I had that really sorted out within a month and a half. Um, my care is I'm also lucky to be, uh, close to Philadelphia where I believe it's the only ALS clinic that's actually hosted in a VA hospital. Um, I've chose to go there. I actually live closer to Hershey and I would be able to go to the Hershey one that's civilian run. You know, they just elect to send you there. I chose to go to Philly. Um, I like the guys there, uh, Dr. Quinn, uh, he's awesome. You know, and you're going to tell him to do a podcast soon because I yeah he, he just had a baby recently. Oh really? Well, his wife did. Okay. <laughs> and, um, Saying he looks good. <laughs> and uh, so he's a really great guy. Yeah. He and he must to be a doctor like Dr. Quinn with this. He must really understand the veteran needs and to connect because oh yeah, there's a lot of great doctors who well, why would they know about ALS? It's not a well. So he must be really in tune with the needs of the veteran community with ALS. And to give you a, an expectation without getting too sidetracked with this, you know, I, I come from a background of uh, medical IT and I got involved in some of the management with that, is ALS is a peculiar disease because not having a cure means there's not any treatments. When there's not any treatments, there's not a tremendous amount for billable income. Um, we're not talking about something where you could tend to send somebody to therapy or put them in a regiment and have repetitive visits one after the other after the other, um, which is, you know, I'm not saying physicians try to go ahead and connive money out of people, but that's just a reality. Some sicknesses allow the physician to make a good amount of income off of repeat business because they have therapy and known types of things that they can put people through. Right. ALS is not like that. Doctors like Dr. Quinn, who go ahead and focus their life toward um, working with ALS patients, working toward a cure, and putting them, you know, one, you could sense their passion, but two, they're not doing it for the money. Um, you know, they, they have something else that's driving them. So, you know, he's a great guy. It's a great clinic. Um, but to be back on track with that, with the veterans, the reason I do some of the advocacy is that I, I don't have to put up with Medicare. Um, I don't have to put up with Medicaid. I get everything through the VA. Um, I will be getting a grant to go ahead and retrofit my house. Uh-huh. There will be grants to go ahead and provide me with uh, vehicle and transportation when that time comes. Um, necessary equipment, some of the things that we were advocating for is the tremendous difficulty to get specialized equipment with electronic wheelchairs or like ocular type readers for communication and different types of therapy that are just such a struggle for people that have to deal with Medicare and Medicaid. That's not something that I have to deal with. 
I look at myself as being in this really, really fortunate situation where I'm clearly seeing the dividing line between what I have and what other people struggle with. And that's kind of part of the drive that's gotten me with the advocacy is that I also have the time and I'm taking advantage of the time that I have with being able to retire. Right. Like I said, with that monthly stipend and also, yes, I do classify for Social Security disability like we all do. The difference is I have to wait that six months, but I'm getting a monthly stipend from the VA to really help taper that. Plus, I have great support from my fiance. Um, you know, we, we're fortunate. Yes, he was all, on, like, in our initial emails, he was as active as you were. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she's working, and it helps us with that. And You know, so I'm taking, it, it's just to feel like I have the ability to do something, so I should be doing something. And I clearly see that divisive line um, between uh, how it's rolled out for me and how it's uh, rolled out for other people or how I can imagine it's rolled out for other people. I know there's got to be plenty of people that literally walk work up to that last day where they can no longer function or move uh, because they can't afford to go six months. And they're struggling with going ahead and getting basic care. There's, you know, struggling with trying to go ahead and take something um, like home health care and get that, mm-hmm. you know, because you're kind of on that uphill battle with some of the peculiar issues with Medicare and Medicaid. Um, yeah. You know, and, and people that, but, but people who may be good hearted but don't understand ALS yeah the, yeah. the bureaucracy of things where our insurance is um, oh, yeah. you know my experience is, and I want to just get this point out there is I've met with lots of veterans of ALS from working here um, you've met with some of them and advocacy like Randy Walker and his wife I think you may have met and um, people at the um, at, in Harrisburg at the other walks is there so many of them who are like you who get the support but they just have this mentality I'm going to help others I'm going to do the next thing and help others is that just something that you think is common amongst the people you've met with? And uh, Dr. Quinn is one of those people, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's a um, – I would like to think, too, that it's a common thread amongst people that are military. Um, you know, you know, we didn't all go in the military because we really liked the uniforms. They're um, nice uniforms. You know, okay, anyway, oh, they how, how, many, how, how often do you hear, like, I like a man in uniform? Yeah, Not yeah. Me. And, and I'm, I'm old fine. school with it, too. I still, I still think – one of the best-looking uniforms is my old-style Cracker Jack dress blues. Yeah. Um, but, you know, on a serious note, you know, I didn't join the military for college or college education or the GI Bill or any side things or anything I was taking after that. Um, you know, I'm from a family that's a, it's a middle-class working family and, and patriotic. And uh, that's why I joined the military. And I think there's a sense of, uh, you know, people who – did join the military. Um, if you look at it percentage-wise, there's probably a pretty good amount of those people that are people that go ahead and give back to communities. Yeah, and it's the same type of thing that I'm uh, with right now. If they, if they, especially now, it's like when you have the time and you have the resources and you have the ability um, to go ahead and step up and uh, maybe do something for the people that don't. Well, my, uh, Mike Dealy here has been do- stepping up and doing a lot for other people who don't have those resources, and we really appreciate it the work for people with ALS. I want you to stay tuned and listen for part two coming up very shortly. And we're going to be talking about your upcoming rugby event, your connection to rugby and golf and uh, the ride to defeat ALS you were just at with us Mm -hmm. and um, more details about advocacy. Um, 
Remember, if you're listening to this, to go on our website to help fight ALS at www.alsphiladelphia.org. Follow us on social media, all at ALS Philadelphia. And Mike, before we leave, what's the website for your upcoming event? How can people learn about it? Sure. Um, our upcoming event, it's rugbysmashals.org. And uh, that has a singular event, which we'll talk about in our next segment. Um, but it's also a movement that's we're putting together and we're having some large expectations for it. So it's uh, rugbysmashals.org. And what day is that? Our, our tournament and our event is on August 19th. And it'll be at the Highland Adonicals Golf Course in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Great. Well, look, look for that and they'll be on our website and social media as well. But um, tune in soon for part two. Thanks, Mike. Don't go away. You're going to sit there and we're going to do part two right now. <laughs>